0: Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you have given us this privilege to be here. Lord, we know that you have brought us here for a particular reason and for a purpose, and that is so that we can be unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And Lord, we pray that you will reveal to us the mighty power of your word today, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. The class that we are going to do is part of the two week class called Life on the Edge at Lay Institute for Evangelism. We're going to be giving you a total of four studies and what we do at Lay Institute for Evangelism during Life on the Edge is that we teach you how to mark a study in your Bible so that you can then give it with little or no notes. All you will be using is your sword. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. Hebrews the fourth chapter, And the 12th verse. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. And the Bible says there, Hebrews the 4th chapter, the 12th verse, by the way, when you give a Bible study, make sure that you repeat your references at least three times. And the reason that you do that is so that if somebody is distracted, that somebody can then hear it at least three times. The purpose of this class is to enable you to go out and to give these Bible studies, again, straight from your Bible. So here we are, Hebrews, the fourth chapter, the twelfth verse. The Word of God says, For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged watch. Sword, thus life on the edge. This class will make your sword extremely sharp. Have you ever been in a situation where you were wondering, somebody said something to you and you're like, oh, I know that verse is in the Bible, but I just don't know where it is? Has that ever happened to you? The more often you study the Bible with other people, the easier it will be to remember those references. And we're giving you this Bible study so that you can make your sword sharp. I should have brought it with me but I have a Bible that I purchased when I was just converted. The cover is no longer attached. The front pages of Genesis are falling out but the, and it even stinks. It smells bad because I used that when I was a truck driver. I would sit that Bible on my steering wheel and I would memorize scripture as I was driving and I wouldn't wash my hands after I made my delivery so the Bible just smells terrible. But I didn't get rid of that Bible until this year. My wife actually had to buy me two Bibles until I was satisfied with this one. But she did it because she loved me. She didn't have to. Um, The reason that I hung on to that Bible so long was because it had all of my handwritten notes in it. So not only will your sword become sharp, but you will feel like you are lost if you don't have your sword when you visit somebody in their home or when you give a Bible study. So the Bible says the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword sword. Let's see what the sword or the Word of God did in Luke chapter 24. Matthew, Mark, Luke, so you're turning to the left from where you are. Do you have your Bibles with you today? Oh, that's a bummer. That's all right. You'll just have to remember everything I say and trust me. Alright, we're in Luke 24, Matthew, Mark, Luke. The chapter 24 is the last chapter there. And you remember the story. Jesus or these two disciples are walking on the road to Emmaus. You remember that. And all of a sudden, this third individual appears and starts walking with him. Why they didn't feel that that was strange, I don't know. But there was this third person that just started walking with him, and that person was who? Talk loud enough for me to hear you. Jesus, Jesus, that's right. That person was Jesus. Now let's go to verse 25. They're describing how Jesus has been taken away. They don't know if the soldiers have him. Verse 25, Jesus says... O fools, and slow of heart to believe, all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into His glory? So Jesus refers back to what when He's talking to these two disciples? To the prophets or the The scriptures. Scriptures. That's right. Now continue on, verse 27. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets he expounded unto them the things concerning himself. So Jesus started where? Where did he start? He started in Moses and then he walked all the way through the what? All the way through the prophets and what did he talk about? What prophecies? The prophecies about himself. Jesus gave these disciples a topical Bible study on the coming of the Messiah. A topical Bible study. What happened to those disciples when Jesus was giving them that study? Go with me down to verse 32. Jesus, of course, reveals himself to them at the dinner there. He has the blessing. Verse 32 says, And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us? While he talked with us, by the way... And while he did what? What did he do? Open Open to us the Scriptures. The only way that the Bible can be completely opened is if we study the Bible the way Jesus studied the Bible. And when Jesus studied the Bible with those two disciples, Jesus did a topical Bible study on the coming of the Messiah. Now, if Jesus does that once, that's pretty cool, isn't it? But if you could see it twice in Scripture, would you believe it even more? Would you say, well, okay, the first time wasn't a fluke. Jesus really did give Bible studies in topics. Would you like to see another example of that? Yes. Okay. Well, I saw a head shake, and my mother used to tell me, you know, I can't hear your head shake. So uh, here we are. You're in the same chapter. Same chapter. Go to verse 43, or 44. Jesus says here in Luke 2444. Luke 24, 44, Luke 24, And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the what? Psalms concerning me. So Jesus again starts walking them through Moses and the prophets and the what? And the Psalms. And what is he talking about? Himself. He's giving them a study on the coming of the Messiah. Notice what happens in the next verse, verse 45. Then opened He their... What is it? Their mind, their what? Understanding. Understanding. The only way for you and I to have this book called the Bible open to us The only way that we can understand this book called the Bible is to study it the exact same way that Jesus did. And how did Jesus study it? How did He study it? In topics. What was the topic that Jesus studied? The The prophecies concerning Himself. So if you and I want the Scriptures to open to us, if we want our understanding or our understanding of Scripture to be opened, then we will study the Bible in topics. Have you ever asked yourself why in the world does the Seventh-day Adventist Church have all of these topical Bible studies? Amazing Facts Guides, Life on the Edge Guides, Storicals, Discover. Have you ever asked yourself that? Why do we have all this? Why don't we have studies on particular books of the Bible? My friend, can you improve on the method of Christ? You cannot. That's why the Seventh-day Adventist Church studies the Bible in topics. Jesus did it. And if Jesus did it, then we should do it, shouldn't we? So let's do that right now. I don't know if they, if they found my microphone or not, but uh, I guess my voice will hold out. Let's uh, go to the screen here and I'll teach you how to mark your Bibles. Well, first of all, we'll talk a little bit about the Bible, then I'll teach you how to mark it. Of course, the, the topic of this study or the study is the Word of God. The purpose of this study is to show that God's Word, the Bible, is true and reliable. The Bible is true and reliable and center it. This Bible study is centered on Jesus in this way. Jesus wants to show you that His Word is reliable. He gives us enough evidence to base our faith on. Have you ever heard somebody talk about blind faith? Did you know that blind faith is a redundant term? It's a redundant term. Faith is faith. Blind faith means that you, what does that mean, you have more faith? Or that you just can't see your faith? Faith is faith. And so Jesus gives us enough evidence to base our faith on. These are the texts that we are going to use in this study. Now I see some of you taking copious notes very furiously because I'm just flipping through these things. I will upload this particular Bible study to our website, ComeExperienceLife.com. It will be underneath the English column on our homepage. Once you get past the video, down at the bottom, you'll see a link for a 3ABN interview survey. Then you'll see a link for this Bible study, and I'll load that up there at lunchtime. So you can go there and get that, ComeExperienceLife.com. This book called The Bible contains, it's actually a collection of books. There's 66 books in here. Does anybody know how many are in the New Testament? Oh, come on Bible students. How many? They said, wait a minute, let me count them. Oh, did you just count them? Oh, you knew it. She just wanted to see if y'all had the opportunity to answer. Okay, so there's 27 in the New Testament. And how many are there in the Old Testament then? Very nice, 39. So this, say again. Three times nine is 27. 27. Never thought of that. I'll teach that next time. It was written on three different continents. Those continents were what? You see them up there on the screen. What were they? Talk loud enough for me to hear you. Asia, Africa, and Europe, that's right. It was written by approximately 40 different authors that do not disagree on any theological point in the Bible. Isn't that amazing? Have you ever had 40 people in one room that agree, all of them agree, on the way things happened? Not in the least. Yet, God, over a period of what does it say there? 1,500 years, God wrote this book through his prophets, and that's exactly what Jesus studied when Jesus was growing up as a child. The Bible says he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man, right? Now, if Jesus grew in wisdom, and he is the Son of God, then he grew in scriptural wisdom, not only just growing up as a boy, but also in scriptural wisdom. Now, some people say to themselves, well, how in the world did Jesus pull out all of those scrolls and talk to those disciples on the road to Emmaus. You understand that by the time that young men were 10 years old, in the first century Galilean culture, they had the first five books of the Bible memorized. By the time they were 14, if they had gone to the second level of education, they had the entire rest of Scripture memorized. And so Jesus is just simply pulling all of these things out of his mind because he grew in wisdom, biblical wisdom. Well, I just went backwards there, didn't I? So 66 different books, three different continents, 40 different authors approximately over a period of 1,500 years. And that's what we have here is a book called the Bible. Now, do you know what the Bible stands for? Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. You're absolutely right basic instructions before leaving earth. Can you hear me in the back there? Okay, praise the Lord. I'm hoping they find my, my voice here in a moment. Says, Don't, talk that Don't talk that direction. Why? They can't hear you when you talk that direction. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> so, so, let me see here. Am I messing you up moving back here now? What you, what you see on the screen there the one W. I'll just back up. I won't say anything while I back up. These references right here, once you get to the website and you download this handout, you will take all of these and you will write them in the front or the back part of your Bible. The reason that you will do that is because in the middle of a Bible study, sometimes you'll get excited and you'll shut the Bible and then you'll go to open the Bible again and you'll be like, oh my badness, I have no idea where I'm at. I have no idea where I just left off. But if you've written all of those references in the front or the back, now you're going to have to write them small. But don't write them so small that you can't read them. Of course, if you couldn't read them, you wouldn't write them that small. But write it small enough because by the time you get finished sharpening your sword, you will have 24 of these Bible studies written in either the front or the back of your Bible. And so this is what you write in either the front or the back. And when you get to 2 Timothy... Yes, sir? all All 24 are not online. The ones that will be online are the ones that we present here. The other ones are available in that DVD set back there. When you get to 2 Timothy chapter 3, you are going to write what you see at the bottom of the screen. Now, you see that there's nothing on the top of that yellow line, is there? Is there? No. There's nothing there. So the reason there's nothing there is because the space above the line represents where you came from. It represents where you came from. The space below the line represents where you are going to. So you're going to have this code of marking all the way through this Bible study. The Bible study is the Word of God. The code you're going to use is W. So this is the first text in the Word of God study. Let's go to that. Let's go to 2 Timothy. And what we're going to do right here is we're going to study the excuse me, we're going to study the Bible the way Jesus did. You want to study the Bible the way Jesus did? Well that's exactly what we're going to do. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, 2 Timothy. Timothy is in the T section of the New Testament. I don't know if you knew there was a T section, but the T section is actually in alphabetical order if you're using the English Bible. So we're going to 2 Timothy, chapter, what does it say up there? Chapter 3, verses what? 15 to 17, and you're especially going to focus on verse 16. First, or 2 Timothy, chapter 3, and verse 15. Are they still working on my mic? Are they still working on my microphone? All right, well, my voice is going to give out. We need to find my voice. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 says, And that from a child thou hast known the holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation, through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. How much Scripture is given by inspiration of God? All, that word inspiration means God-breathed. All Scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So this book came from who? It came from who? God. God. Now some people will say, I don't believe that. And you'll say, well, you just hold on to your britches because by the time this Bible study's over, you're either going to have to completely lie against your conscience or you're going to say that, yes, there is a God and He does have power to tell the future. So the reason that we go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 through 17, let's read verse 17, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The reason that we go to this reference is to show the person we are studying with that the Bible was written by God. Of course, God inspired. We believe in thought inspiration. God inspired the prophets, and the prophets wrote down what God inspired them to write. It's not. It wasn't word-for-word word dictation. God gives them a thought, and they write that thought down. So this entire book, all 66 chapters, every word... Some would argue, except for those that are in italics, because they were supplied to help you and I understand it. Every word in this is inspired by who? It's inspired by God. Now, at the end of this reference, you're going to write one W. You're going to put a circle around it. You're going to draw a line. That line represents 2 Timothy 3, verses 15 through 17. Underneath that line, you're going to write our next reference. And our next reference is... 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 19 to 21. 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 19 to 21. So let's go there. 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 19 to 21. Now 2 Peter's in the New Testament, it's to the right of Hebrews, to the right of James before you get to 1 John. We're in 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 19 through 21. So let's read that. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. The Bible says here in verse 19, we have also a more sure word of what? Prophecy. Prophecy. Now, I want you to put those words more sure on a shelf in your mind because we're going to take them off the shelf in just a minute. What words are on the shelf in your mind? More sure, that's absolutely right. Continuing on, "...whereunto ye also do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts." Verse 20, "...knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation." The way that Jesus studied the Bible, regardless of your denomination, the way that Jesus studied the Bible allowed Scripture to interpret itself. When you and I allow Scripture to interpret itself, the people that we are giving Bible studies to, yea, even us that are giving the Bible study, our heart will begin to burn within us because we will know that we are hearing the voice of God. Have you ever wanted to hear the voice of God? All you've got to do is study the Bible. And so here, verse 21, 20 said, knowing this first, that no, script, no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. And what we are going to do is we are going to let God's Word take us through a study that proves that God can interpret, his, this, this book can interpret itself. Then verse 21 For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Now I told you to put some words on the shelf in your memory. What were those? More sure. sure. I want you to go back up to verse 16. Verse 16 says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables... When we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. They were what? They were eyewitnesses. And then two verses later, Peter says that we have something more sure than an eyewitness, and that is what? Go back to verse 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. The prophecy that is contained in this book is more sure than even an eyewitness. Now that's pretty incredible, isn't it? It's more sure than even an eyewitness, and it is more sure than even an eyewitness so that it can prove that God is real. I believe our next reference, let me just double check this. Oh, look at there. That's what you should have been writing there in 2 Peter. You have to remind me when I forget to turn these little, uh, or flip the page. So that's what you write in 2 Peter. At the end of 2 Peter, you write this. 2 W, what does the W stand for? Word of God, that's right. That's the study that we are on. This way, when you get to the 24th study, you don't have all of these uh, numbers with no code beside them to, to tell you what Bible study you're on. So this is the Bible study, here on the Word of God. We just came from where? Second Timothy. Timothy, and where are we going next? John, John. John what? 14. John fourteen twenty nine. Okay, is everybody ready for me to switch that slide? Not yet. Not yet. Oh, am I hearing my voice come through that thing? No. Thought I was hopeful, wishful thinking. All right. So we're going to John fourteen twenty nine. Can I turn it now? Alright, everybody else ready? Here we go. Hallelujah. Oh, can you hear me in the back now? Can you hear me if I do this? You couldn't hear me before if I did this. Okay. Hallelujah. Alright, we're going to John fourteen twenty nine. Remember, there is something more sure than an eyewitness, and what is that? Prophecy. Let's go to John chapter 14 and verse 29. Of course, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And I realize all of you are very, you're extremely adept at finding these references, but I'm just giving you an example of when you're giving Bible studies, you have to help people get to that Bible study. My wife and I were in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and we studied with a lady named Elizabeth. Elizabeth spoke very little English, but she was very fluent in Spanish. And I was... Uh, not at all fluent in Spanish, but very fluent in English. So we went and we got her a Santa Biblia, or a Bible that is written in a language that she could read, or Spanish. We got that, and I sat right next to Elizabeth, and we just simply, I looked at my Bible, she looked at her Bible, and I would point at where she needed to go, and then I would point at the chapter that she needed to go to, but we were helping her, use her Bible now one way that you can help people use their Bibles or to help people learn how to go back and forth in their Bible is to tell them to put up their their left first finger so I want you to do that take out your left hand and put up this finger and then I want you to take this finger and I want you to open to the front of your Bible okay and you're gonna come to where the list of the Old and New Testament books are and this is what you're gonna do everybody has to watch carefully this is what you're gonna do you ready that's what you're gonna do right there because when people, need to look, when people are learning how to use the Bible, and you may laugh, you may think that that's a little silly, but you are teaching people how to study the Word of God. And that's exciting. And you want those people, when you disappear, you want those people to still be able to find Bible verses. I'm studying with a gentleman named Ronnie. Ronnie and Alex, we've been studying since about March and Ronnie couldn't find anything in the Bible when we first started. Now Ronnie, when I say, hey, let's go to Matthew, he's like, oh yeah, let's go to Matthew and he turns right there. I don't even have to tell him how to get there. But that's because we taught him how to study the Scripture. Now this is going to be pretty amazing to you. Ronnie told me one one night when we were studying the Bible, he said, you know, I've started to read the book of Matthew and I'm going to read it all the way through. And I said, praise the Lord, brother, that's incredible. He said, and the next week when I went over to study with him, he said, I'm almost finished with it, but I don't think I'm going to like the way this ends. He'd never read the Bible before. And so he gets the third week that I come over and study with him, he says, Scott, if you had told me that Jesus died at the end of that book, I would have never read it. There are people out there in the United States of America that have never read the Bible. And so you have to teach them how to get from one place to the next in Scripture. And so here we are, John chapter 14 and verse 29. John 14, verse 29. Let me just get there with you. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So I'll turn the correct direction. John 14, 29. We have something more sure than, pr- than uh, an eyewitness, and that is prophecy. This is what Jesus said, the purpose of proph- prophecy was So the reason we're going to John 14, 29, and I'm telling you the reason we're going there, so that when you give the study, you'll know why you're there. In our handouts that you can, you'll be able to download for this Bible study off of the website, you will see underneath the list of texts, you will see an explanation as to why we are in each one of those references. So the reason we are in John fourteen twenty nine is to show the reason for prophecy. Jesus says... And now I have told you before it come to pass that when it is come to pass, you might what? You might believe. So what is the purpose of prophecy? So that we can believe what? The Word of God. Let's suppose that I told you... How much time do I have left? Does anybody know what time it is? 10.09. I have what? 21 minutes? That's right. Yep, 21 minutes. Where was I at? Okay, let's go to John 14, 29. Jesus says, But I tell you things before they take place, so that when they do take place, you may believe. The purpose of prophecy is so that we can believe in the Word of God. Now, lots of people claim to be able to foretell the future. Like Nostradamus. He claimed to be able to foretell the future. And you know, he's right about 30% of the time. But that doesn't make Nostradamus God, does it? The only way that we can know that this book was written or authored or inspired by or God-breathed is if it does not disagree with itself and if it is 100% accurate. If it's 100% accurate, then we know that God or something higher than us inspired this book, right? So now let's go to Isaiah 46 verses 9 and 10, that's our next reference. We're leaving our third Word of God text and we're going to our fourth Word of God reference. Our fourth Word of God reference is of course Isaiah 46 verses 9 and 10. Now what reference did we just come from? John 14, 29. How do you know that? Because it's what? Because it's above the line. Now, if you're giving this Bible study or when you give this Bible study, somebody may ask you a question on the reference you just came from. And if you don't have that written down, you may be like, uh, 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 Do you remember the reference? That may be a little embarrassing, a little uncomfortable for you. So make sure that you write down where you're coming from and where you're going to. So here we are, Isaiah 46, Isaiah 46, verses 9 and 10. Isaiah 46, verses 9 and 10. So the reason we were in John 14, 29 is to show the purpose of prophecy. And now we are going to see how much God knows. The Bible says this in Isaiah 46, verses 9 and 10. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. That's a pretty bold claim, isn't it? Then it says, I am God and there is none like me. What is it that differentiates the God of the Bible from other gods? It tells us in verse 10. Verse 10 says this, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done. Now it's one thing to be able to tell the beginning from the end, isn't it? Because if you're over here in the end, you can tell what happened in the beginning. But it's another thing to be standing over here in the beginning and be able to tell people what happens at the end and to be correct. It's a completely different scenario, isn't it? So God says, I can tell you things, or I can tell you from the beginning what is going to happen over here at the end. And God does exactly that. Now remember, the purpose of this Bible study is to show that God gives us enough evidence to base our faith on God gives us enough evidence to base our faith on. It's not blind faith. It is simply faith. And so what we are going to do now is we are going to go to the most foundational prophecy in Scripture. We're going to go to the most foundational prophecy in Scripture. If you understand this prophecy, then you can understand all other prophecies... In scripture, I was talking to Clifford Goldstein on the way to breakfast this morning. And uh, I told him, I said, you know, all of our students are required to read a book titled 1844 Made Simple. And he says, you know, everywhere I go, no matter what country I'm in, people are always telling me that they're reading 1844 Made Simple because in that he parallels Daniel chapter 2, Daniel chapter 7, Daniel chapter 8 and 9. And shows that those prophecies all build off of Daniel, the second chapter. So let's just do a little bit of review. What have we learned already this morning? The first thing that we learned, we went to what was our first reference? You're taking notes. That's right. What's the reference? Second Timothy, chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. And we focused especially on what verse? Verse 16 that said all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for those four things. The next reference we went to was 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 19 through 21. And verse 19 started out that we have a more sure word of what? Prophecy. And more sure than what? An eyewitness. What verse did we find that in? Listen, when you give Bible studies, it is necessary for you to review what you have just shared with someone. Right now, what we are doing is we are simply repeating, and I'm letting you repeat it so that it can be lodged in your memory. You will never forget where the text that says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. If you remember it right now, there's no reason you should forget it when you leave. Of course, I'm hoping you'll stay for the next half of this Bible study, but that's, of course, up to you. So... All scriptures given by inspiration of God. How much of that? All of that. Then we went to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. We have a more sure word of prophecy. What was our next reference? Does anybody remember without looking at your notes? Okay, look at your notes. John 14, 29. What was the reason we went to John 14, 29? To show the reason that God gives us prophecy. And what is that reason? So that we can believe. That's right, so that we can believe. Jesus says, I have told you things before they take place, so that when they do take place, you may believe. Then we went to Isaiah what? 46, 9 and 10. And what was the reason we were in Isaiah 46, 9 and 10? What was that? That's right, to see the difference between the God of the Bible and other gods. And the God of the Bible can tell us what? Everything. Well, give it to me in biblical language. The end from the beginning. Now, what is your name, my friend? Chris. Chris. Uh, Chris. I've heard of people named Chris, but not uh Chris. Just Chris. Never heard of anybody named just Chris either. All right. So, Chris, you and I are going to have lunch tomorrow at 1 o'clock. That's predictable, isn't it? What if I said, next week we'll have lunch at 1 o'clock on Thursday? Could that, could that happen? Is it a possibility? a possibility? It's a possibility. What if I said, 10 years from now, you and I are going to have lunch on a Thursday? Is that a possibility? Please, Jesus, come before 10 years. But it's a possibility. What if I said, 150 years from now, you and I are going to have lunch? What if I said, 2,500 years from now, you and I are going to have lunch? Hopefully. Oh, that's a possibility, isn't it? <laughs> Please, Jesus, come before then. right? So you and I cannot foretell the future. You and I can say, hey, we would like to do this in the future. But we cannot foretell it with the accuracy that God tells it with. So let's go to our Bibles. Our next reference, according to the screen, is what? Daniel chapter 2. And what verses are we going to focus on? 26 through 30. Now, when you're giving this Bible study, you are going to have to give some... Uh, some information prior to reading these verses. and How many of you are familiar with Daniel chapter 2? Okay, how many of you are familiar enough with Daniel chapter 2 to give a Bible study on it with no notes? Okay, we have a couple of us. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ for that. That's why we have life on the edge so that you can take your Bible with no notes and give a Bible study. Next time somebody asks you that, you'll be able to say, Well, because I skipped the last half of that class, I could do the first half of Daniel chapter (laughs) 2. All right. Daniel was taken captive by a Babylonian king, and his name was Nebuchadnezzar. uh, Daniel was educated in Nebuchadnezzar's schools, and then then Daniel became one of the wisest individuals in the realm of Babylon. So he was called a wise man. Well, King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And in this dream, uh, well, Nebuchadnezzar forgets it. The Bible says in Daniel chapter 2 that he tells the wise men, this thing is gone from me. So he can't remember it. And so then he tells the wise men, I want you, I'm paying you for this stuff. You talk to the gods. I want you to ask the gods what I dreamed about and the interpretation of what I dreamed about. And if you can't do it, I'm going to turn your houses, I'm going to cut you into pieces and turn your houses into a place where donkeys go to the bathroom. Well you can imagine, these wise, these wise men were like, well that's not very wise king. No king has ever asked any of us to do such a thing. And he says, this is what I'm paying you for. You do it or I'm going to cut you into pieces. Well they can't do it, so they start cutting people up into pieces and they come to Daniel's house. And Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, knocks on Daniel's door. And he says, hey Daniel, I'm here to cut you into pieces and turn your house into a place where donkeys go to the restroom. Daniel says, whoa, wait a minute Arioch, what do you mean? What's going on here? So evidently Daniel was not at that first meeting. Or Daniel would have known what was going on. So Daniel asks Arioch to let him talk to the king. He asks the king for time, and the king gives him some time. And then Daniel and his friends go to prayer meeting. My friends, you need to go to prayer meeting. The spiritual pulse of a church is measured by the attendance at prayer meetings. And that's that's a quote, I don't know the reference, but that's from uh, the testimony of Jesus. You know, if you say Ellen White said, people may revolt at it, but if you say the testimony of Jesus says, it's kind of hard to argue with the testimony of Jesus, isn't it? That's right. The testimony of Jesus tells us that the spiritual pulse of a church is measured by the attendance at prayer meetings. So here's Daniel, his three friends, they pray, they're at prayer meeting and God gives to Daniel the dream and its interpretation. So here we are in Daniel chapter 2, and I want you to look at verse, what did I say, 26? That's right. Verse 26. And at the end of this of uh, verse 30, at the end of verse 30, you're simply going to write uh, your next reference, which will be 31 through 35. When, when you have a lot of text bunched up into the same chapter, You know, you can leave it up to yourself how to decipher to mark that so that you don't have to have notes with you. But, uh, you know, to each one, you can do whatever you want to when all the texts are bunched up. And we'll see that when we get to the great controversy text when we go to Genesis chapter 1. And I believe we reference 11 times or 11 texts in Genesis chapter 1. So here we are, Daniel chapter 2 and verse 26. And can somebody give me the time again? The king answered and said to Daniel whose name was Belteshazzar, art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers show unto the king? So who can't show this to the king? Mortal men. You're absolutely right. Verse 28 has a three letter word. What's that word? But. So, in complete and total contradiction to what was just said in verse 27, Daniel says, But there is a God in heaven that reveals secrets and makes known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. What's the purpose of this dream according to verse 28? I heard a lot of whispering. Latter days. To show what would take place in the latter days or at the end of time. Continuing on here. Thy dream and the visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. Now you just put yourself in the position of King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar is sitting as pompously as a king can sit on his royal throne and here is this Hebrew slave that has been educated by Babylon's finest who by the way could not answer Nebuchadnezzar in wanting his dream or the interpretation so here's this Hebrew slave in front of Nebuchadnezzar and he says Nebuchadnezzar they were right you no mortal man can tell you your dream or the interpretation but there is a God in heaven that reveals secrets. You can just imagine Nebuchadnezzar, he just sits back and throws open his royal robe. He's just sitting there. I don't know if he's wearing purple or whatever he's got on. He's like, this guy is nuts. A God in heaven? Okay, tell me about this. Verse 29. As for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed. Well, no... That's a no-brainer, Daniel. I told you I had a dream. What should come to pass hereafter? So there's the second reason for this dream. The first reason was to show what would take place in the latter days or at the end of time. The second reason for this dream is to show what will take place after the dream all the way up to the what? Latter days or the end of time. That's right. Okay, so you see it there in verse 29, what should come to pass hereafter. So here's the dream. The dream's going to tell you what's going to come to pass hereafter, and it's also going to tell you what's going to take place at the end of time. We're just letting Scripture open itself to us. And this gets really exciting in the second half of the study when we go through Scripture to prove each one of the kingdoms that you and I are very familiar with in Daniel chapter 2. Verse 30. But as for me, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any living, but for their sakes that shall make known the interpretation to the king, and that thou mightest know the thoughts of thy heart. Verse 31. Are we in verse 31 now? Okay, so here comes in verses 26 through 30, we found out that there were two reasons for this vision. What time is it? 10:22. There's two reasons for this vision. What are those two reasons? To show what will take place in the latter days or the end of time, and to show what would take place in the present time all the way up to the latter time. And so here, the Bible tells us we're going to go to the next part of this study. So again, the reason we went to Daniel 2, 26 through 30, was to get those two reasons. The dream's going to show what's going to take place at the end of time. Who alone can tell us from the beginning, before something comes to pass, what's going to happen and how it's going to end? Who alone can do that? God. According to who? God. That's right. He said it. Where did He say it? What was the reference? Isaiah? 46. 9 and 10. Very nice. Okay, so here we are, verse 31. So we'll go to our next slide there. So that those of you that are marking this can just continue to mark it in your Bible. Verse 31, Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image. Now you can imagine, King Nebuchadnezzar is right there and he's like, Ding! An image? It's like a deja vu moment for him. Okay, I remember an image. And then Daniel says to him, this image great image whose brightness was excellent stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. The image's head was of fine gold." Nebuchadnezzar leans forward on his royal throne. The image's head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, his belly and thighs of brass. You can imagine that Nebuchadnezzar is now sitting on the very edge of his royal throne because this Hebrew slave that was in tune with the God of heaven, the God that wrote this book, is telling Nebuchadnezzar what he dreamed and no mortal man can tell you what you dreamed. Maybe Nostradamus could guess it and get it right about 30% of the time, but not 100% of the time. So you can imagine that Nebuchadnezzar is now on the edge of his royal throne saying, who is this guy? Continuing on here. His belly and thighs of brass. Yes, 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 that's right, that's right. Go on, go on. His legs of iron, his feet part of iron, and part of clay. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and brake them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, the gold, broken to pieces together, and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. Does anybody know what chaff is? It's like the external hull of the wheat or the grain that is being uh, threshed on the threshing floor. And what they would do is uh, once they beat all of the wheat off of the heads of the grain, of, of the stalk there, then on a they usually did it on the top of a hill. People would get up there with either their hands or a scoop and they would just throw the grain up into the air And, of course, the holes had been bashed while they were bashing that weed on the ground. And the wind would carry away the chaff, and the heavy grain would fall right back to the ground. So that's what it means. It was blown away like the chaff from the summer threshing floors. What verse were we in? Verse 35. And the wind carried them away that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Nebuchadnezzar is completely beside himself. This Hebrew slave has just told Nebuchadnezzar what he dreamed the night before. And this Hebrew slave wasn't even one of the first of the group of wise men called into Nebuchadnezzar's bedchamber where Nebuchadnezzar said, tell me my dream and the interpretation. But Daniel's not done here, is he? Because Daniel also has to tell Nebuchadnezzar what? The interpretation. Now, what gives Nebuchadnezzar the confidence that the interpretation of Daniel is going to be true? I'll ask the question again. What gives Nebuchadnezzar the confidence that what Daniel is going to share with him as the interpretation is true? Because he just told him his dream. Wouldn't that be amazing? You know, let's suppose that... How much time do I have left here? Three minutes, perfect. Let's suppose that you go to a horse track. Now, I've never been to a horse track, never been to a horse race, even though I'm here in Louisville, Kentucky, maybe they'll have a horse race while I'm here and I'll be able to see that. But I doubt it, because I'm gonna be in here with you. But let's suppose you go to the horse track. And you go into the betting room, you have five dollars with you, you've never bet before in your life, and and there's this guy there with a top hat, black top hat, black suit, little bow tie, he's got a black shiny cane, he's got black boots with a shiny gold buckle on them. nice trousers, and he says, put your money on horse number three. Well, you have nothing to lose. So you put your money on horse number three and he wins. So you go to pick up your money, wherever it is you pick up your money at a horse track, And then you say, well, you know, if I put that original $5 in here, I can take that other money that I just won, and I can go bet it again. So you go back down there, and you see the guy in the top hat, shiny boots, gold buckle, shiny cane, nice slacks, little bow tie, and he says, put all your money on horse number seven. What do you think you're going to do? Well, let's just try it. I've got my original five, right? And horse number seven wins. You go down, you collect your money. You go back, because now you're on like this good luck streak, aren't you? You go go back downstairs to, I guess it's downstairs, where they bet. And there's the same guy, hat, cane, shiny black boots, gold buckle, nice slacks, little bow tie. He says, put all your money on horse number 12. What are you going to do? You're going to pull the five out of your pocket. You're going to put it with your other money and you're going to put everything on horse number 12. Why would you do that? Okay, I hear past experience. Why else would you do that? Because he has nice slacks. Because this guy has shown to you that he can tell you who is going to win the race. You would say, no problem. I'll even bet my original five on that guy. We're going to find out that when Daniel gives the interpretation to Nebuchadnezzar that God gave to Daniel, that Nebuchadnezzar at that moment, of course, he falls away, but at that moment, Nebuchadnezzar is ready to place his entire life in the hands of a God like that. Now, Jesus studied the Bible in topics. That's what we have started to do this morning. I had three minutes. I'm now down to what? Probably 15 seconds. Jesus studied the Bible in topics, and so in our next class, we will take the second half of this Bible study, and we will let God's Word interpret itself, because Scripture is of no, what? Private interpretation. Now when you take a Bible study like this, and you study this Bible study with someone else, that someone will become excited. I was in line this morning for breakfast, talked to a young man named Carmen. K-A-R-M-A-N. He was one of the guys that had on a nice black slacks, little bow tie, a vest, no coat. And I told him that there was a secret to studying the Bible. And he and I got into a conversation about the secret. And the secret is studying the Bible the way Jesus did. I was going to buy a trailer, and I went to the trailer shop, And I told the gentleman at the trailer shop while we were sitting there waiting for them to do something in my van, I said, you know, uh," he, he says, what is Lay Institute for Evangelism? And I said, well, we're simply a place that teaches people how to study the Bible like Jesus did. You know, Jesus gives us a secret to that in Luke 24. He said, okay, I'll bite that hook. What's the secret? And this guy, at the end, when I told him the secret, I said, you know, there's three ways you can study just like Jesus did. A Bible study sheet or a Bible guide sheet a book called Bible Readings for the Home, or I can come study with you on a weekly basis, which is the best option. And he said, now how would it look for a Roman Catholic to be studying with a Seventh-day Adventist? I said, if we study the way Jesus did, it looks just like Jesus studying with those men on the road to Emmaus. He chuckled. He said, the other two options were what? I said, Bible guide sheets and a book called Bible Readings for the Home. He said, I'll take those first two options. My friends, Jesus gives us this secret so that we can share His truth with other people without putting our own twist and our own slang on God's Word because Scripture is of no private interpretation. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank You so much that we've been able to learn from Your Word today that we serve a God that can tell the end from the beginning. We serve a God that gives us prophecy so that when it comes to pass that we may believe. And Father, we pray that in our next period that you will give us the same inspiration that you gave to the prophets that wrote your word so that we can understand it. We thank you for this privilege. We pray that you will give us opportunities to share the secret of studying Scripture with others. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. This media was produced by Audioverse for GYC generation of youth for christ if you would like to learn more about gyc please visit www.gycweb.org or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons please visit www.audioverse.org